I want you to get your Bibles, and I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47. And we're going to hang out there, and we'll be there in a little bit. Uh, I want to, I, as I begin to pray and, and think about this service, we thought about launching a new series on this Sunday. We thought about finishing up the Genesis series. But I really felt the Holy Spirit directing me to the book of Ezekiel, and especially the 47th chapter, Ezekiel 47. And it's an amazing passage, and I always think that Ezekiel 47 and Ezekiel 37 are two chapters that every person should master, because they talk about some really uh, tangible things that you can touch and apply to your life. And so today, instead of doing both, we're going to focus on Ezekiel 47, because I think it is a word for our church right now as we launch two services, and I also think that it's a word for the body of Christ. How many are glad to be a part of the body of Christ? You do know that's not a metaphor, right? That we are literally the body of Christ. When you start thinking about that, it'll blow your mind a little bit, right? That he would trust me with his stuff, the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are members in particular. So I believe that today this is a word for the body of Christ. Before we get into Ezekiel 47 and read our text, I want to back up a little and I want to give you some backstory before we read Ezekiel 47. How many of y'all like history? How many don't, but you'll deal with it right now? Okay, good. Uh, we're going to back, we're going to back up a little bit. I want to give you some backstory, give you a little backdrop on this passage. In Ezekiel 47, in Ezekiel 40, chapter 40, God begins to give Ezekiel a vision. And in this vision, he begins to describe in detail a temple that was going to be built. When I talk about detail, I mean minute details. And this goes on for six chapters where uh, the man in the vision carries Ezekiel through and shows him every little thing that was going to happen. Now... From what can be gathered over history, this temple was never built that anybody knows about. It was this this outline, this diagram that was given to Ezekiel, but it was never built. There are two or three different types of thought on this. Some people believe that it will be built later on in history, that it will actually be built. There are others that think that It was a temple that's an eternal temple. It was a representation of heaven and how heaven is going to be laid out. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. I do know this, that Ezekiel 47, the temple there, is a type of the church. It is a type of the body of Christ. Everybody say the temple. I want want to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says this, Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. I want you to say this with me. We, together, are the house of God. And then he goes on in verse 21. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Everybody say it. We are the temple of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Look, you're not the temple. I'm not the temple. When we get together, we become the temple. 
He said, don't you realize that all of you together become the temple, the living, moving house of God. Not bricks set, but living stones, the Bible says. A living, breathing organism that moves. And it's not just you here in Nashville, but it's in Afghanistan. There is a body, there is a living, breathing temple that you and I are a part of all over the world. All right, so you got that? So that's the backdrop. That's the backstory. Now I want to step into, now that we've established this, that we are the temple of God, I want to take Ezekiel 47, and I want to bring it into today's type of language. So in Ezekiel's vision, the temple is now complete. Everything is set up, and here we go. Verse number one, I'm going to get some water because I'm about to go strong. Y'all ready? Got to celebrate a little bit. CPA beat Innsworth yesterday, but I'm just saying. Sorry for all you Innsworth people. I only see one, but sorry for y'all. Ezekiel 47, verse number one. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. And passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Now just stay there. We're going to hang out in Ezekiel 47. We're going to go through the next 12 verses together. But I want to stop periodically and just share some things with you. So the temple is built, everything is set up, and the man that is guiding, Ezekiel's guide, brings him back to the temple. Everything is done, and now he says, now I'm going to show you the culmination of why this temple was built. And he begins to see water coming out from the door of the temple. Now I want to to say something to you. Most of the time, we judge things by what's coming into it. Right? Right? How much money do I have coming into my life? How much love do I have coming into my relationship? How much spirit do we have coming into our church? How much talent do we have in this city? God doesn't judge things by what's flowing into it. He judges things by what's flowing out of it. Judge may not be a good word. Let me use the word gauge. That's a better word there. Gauges. He gauges the success of something by what's going out of it, not what's coming into it. There's a great parable that I won't get to, but you can write it down if you're taking notes. Luke 12 and 48, where it, there, were parable, there were talents, gifts that were given, and tokens that were given to different, different men. And he says to them, he says, To whom much is given, much is required. So if I've given you a lot, then I'm going to require a lot to come out of you. And we don't like to hear that, but it's the truth, right? It's the truth. You know, I was raised in a, in a very spirit-filled Pentecostal church, and I'm going to tell you how we gauged our church when the Holy Spirit was there, man, and we put watermarks up. You know what I mean? Like watermarks. Man, remember that one Sunday when you got, I got chills all over me? That right there, there's my watermark right there. Oh, and then there was another time that this happened. There was a watermark. God doesn't want us to judge the church by our watermarks here. 
God doesn't even want to look and say, man, look at this crowd of people at nine o'clock. Isn't this amazing? That's great. God is going to gauge us by what happens when we say, amen, God bless you. See you next Sunday. What is flowing out of us is what really matters. Thanks for that one clap. Uh, can anybody join with her and just say amen on that one? I don't know who you are, but I like you. God is a giving God. Things flow out of him. Life flows out of him. Light flows out of him. Creation flows out of him. And we are most like him when we are letting things flow out of us. We become most like God when we become generous, giving people. So now looking at this perspective that we are the temple of God, I want you to read with me John chapter 7 and verse 38. This is where Jesus says it really loud. One translation says, He yelled it at the top of His lungs. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So if we are the temple of God, and looking at Ezekiel 47, the parallel is that you and I are supposed to be living, breathing temples of God. And everywhere we go, there should be rivers of living water that are pouring out of us. How many love to be around life-giving people? Raise your hand. You like being around life-giving people? Anybody ever been around life-sucking people? Life-demanding people? It's all about me, me, and mine. I need your attention. I need to talk to you. I need you to give to me. He said, well, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be a temple that is not drawing people in. I want you to be a temple that is sending things out. There's stuff flowing out of you. When you walk into your workplace, when you walk into the family room, when you walk into the school, just water flowing out of us. Verse 3 of Ezekiel 47. So now we've talked about the, the river that's flowing, and then the man began to measure it. So measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 and led me across again. So he's walking down the river, and he measures off 1,750 feet, and he walks across the river. You got that? And he said it was ankle deep. And then the next time he measured, it was knees deep. Another time it was waist then he measured another 1750, and the river was too deep to walk across, but it was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Now, being raised in the church, we always talked about that, man. You got to get in water that you can swim in. You got to get to a place that you can't trust your feet. You got to trust that God's going to help you, right? But you know the thing that I never really noticed that is their entry levels that he gives all along the way. Entry levels. You scared. How many learned to swim because somebody chunked you in? That's just wrong, ain't it? It's wrong. You know, we do that sometimes in life in our walk with God. We, we get great, divine, amazing revelation, and we just expect everybody to jump in with us. Come on in, the water's fine. They may be scared to death of religion, scared to death of water. I love the fact that he gives everybody an entryway. Come on, you don't want to jump on them? Come on, you can come right here. We'll do ankle deep. That's fine. Come on, baby. We'll be, I'll walk with you across. You want knees? You want waist? You want, there is an entry level for every single one. I heard, a, I heard a, a, an old pastor say that he'd be mad if I called him old. But he said this. He said, all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
means it doesn't matter where you are, where you come from. There is an entry level for you. And here's what I love. He allows us to choose how deep we want to go. He allows us to choose how deep. But I'm going to tell you something. The rewards of going all in are absolutely incredible. If you want to be saved and living for God and stay ankle deep, that's fine. You do that. But I'm going to tell you the rewards of going where your feet can't touch bottom and you can just swim with him and trust in him. Anybody ever been above your head in the Lord before? Come on, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to get out of the ankle. Come on, keep walking in. Because the further you go with him, the deeper it gets. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and it's still in your ankles, then you need to reevaluate really how you're walking with the Lord. That's a little pastoring right there. That was free, okay? Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? I love it. Son, you've been watching? And then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Come on, look at that. Desert and Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. I love this. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engadi to Inglachon. I think that's how you say it. I just know anytime there's Hebrew, you just clear your throat and you're really close to it. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. Let me give you some points today that you can walk away with. Wherever the river flows, number one, growth happens. He said, when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. A good sign that God's river is flowing in your life is that things are growing, that things are maturing. It's bigger, it's stronger, fruitful is a sign of life. That's why I loved on Sunday, last Sunday, when we announced, you know, we, one more time, hey guys, next Sunday, we're doing 9 and 11. I loved, I, had, I probably had 15, 20 people come up to me and go, thank God we're going to two services. Thank God. Now, before that, we've had people going, we're going to two services. Oh, what? I got to do services. But this past Sunday, it was, come on, we got to go. Let's do this. You know what that is? That's a sign of living water that's flowing because growth happens. If you're not maturing in your relationship with God, then you need a little more river in your life. Second thing, where the river flows, freshness happens. Said the waters of this stream are going to make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh. You got some staleness in your life? You can point to some areas of your life that are stale, your relationships, your your workout routine, your your prayer time. What is it that's just stale? I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ didn't come for us to live stale lives. He came that we may have abundant life. Everybody say fresh. Don't you love that word? I want some fresh life. Let the river flow. Not only is it going to bring freshness, but purity 
happens. Where the river flows, purity happens. I'm talking about impurities. There was nothing as impure as the Dead Sea. And yet, the Scripture says that when it flows into the Dead Sea, fresh and purity comes. I'm looking at some of you right now. Look at me. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord right now. Some of you are not doing what God has called you to do because you feel like your impurities disqualify you. Because you messed up, you looked at something, you did something wrong, and some of you it was years ago. Some of it was yesterday. Some of you, it's the way you talked to your wife this morning. And you feel like that impurity disqualifies you from doing what God has called you to do. Sweetheart, that's why you need the river of living water. Because when it flows into your life, it makes the impurities pure. Amen. So you don't need to make yourself more pure. You just need to get more river flowing in your life. Because you're working so hard to make yourself right. You will never be right. It ain't going to happen. You're going to be just as ugly as you were today, tomorrow. But if there's a way to get the focus off you being right or me being right and on the fact that the river is always right and wherever the river flows, purity comes. How many of you believe the blood of Jesus makes you white as snow? Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. How many of you believed when you confessed your sins and accepted him as your savior that his blood made your sins white as snow? How many believe that? Then why does it stop on a daily basis? Why do we think it just happened one day at salvation, but it didn't happen on that daily? The Bible says he makes his mercies new every morning. That means when you wake up, he's got enough river just waiting on whatever you do today. I ain't a good preacher, but that's... That's good preaching. Where the river flows, growth happens, freshness happens, purity happens. Where the river flows, life happens. Life will flourish whenever this water flows. And not just life. I love it, said. I'm not just going to bring fish. He said swarms of living things. He said the fish are going to abound. Multitudes of fish. Just as much as you can think about. You know, fish are symbolic of souls. Whenever you read fish in the Bible, it's always symbolic of God going after the lost. Here's what I believe. I believe when the river flows, the lost are going to come. You're not going to have to worry about it. All you got to do is say, hey, I want to invite you to my church. And then just here's a little card and then let the river flow. Just begin to let the river flow wherever you go. And it says there are going to be so many fish are going to show up that the fishermen are going to stand along the side of the banks. There's going to be nets just drying everywhere. We're talking about the Dead Sea, y'all. Not only does life happen where the river flows, the dead things live. The dead things live. Think about that, the name of a sea, the Dead Sea. It's really actually a really big lake. But it's the Dead Sea. Or some, sometimes it's called the Salt Sea or the Sea of Salt. And the reason for that is that the Dead Sea is ten times more salty than the ocean. Y'all, y'all ever, ever take a sip of ocean water? You ever done it? Like didn't mean to? Like went in? Like that? Now just picture that. Taste that ten times on top of that. 
Add 10 times more salt to that water, and that's what the Dead Sea... So animals do not live there. There are no fish. Animals don't come around it. There are only some certain types of microorganisms that can survive in that. I mean, it is not just dead. Like in Mississippi, it's dead. D-E-E-A-A-A-D. Dead sea. No chance of life. I'm looking at some of you right now that have some things in your life that have been dead a long time. A long time. Dreams have been buried, put under the bed, six feet under. People that crushed your spirit and crushed your heart. There's some dead stuff. And a lot of us are dragging carcasses around. Just dead. It's like when Jesus showed up to Lazarus. And they're like, he stinks by now. That's dead. I'm talking about that kind of dead. But the scripture says, when the river begins to flow, even the dead things come to life. I think for some reason we think when the river flows that God can bring life. But it doesn't say he brings life. It says it brings the dead back to life. The Dead Sea now is going to have the same type of life and abundance and fruitfulness that the Mediterranean Sea has. Verse 11 says this, But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Marshes and swamps. Now we've been talking about this river that's flowing, right? This flowing river. And everywhere it goes, it brings life. But then all of a sudden there's this caveat that the, that the writers of the, the, the guide of the vision says, but I want to say to you, the marshes and the swamps, they're not going to be purified. They will not be blessed. They're still going to be salty. You know what a swamp is? A swamp is a river with no banks. That's what a swamp is. A swamp is a lot of flow with no form. Let me talk to you just a minute. You want abundance in your life? You want fruitfulness in your life? You need some form in your life. You need some banks in your life. You need some discipline in your life. You need somebody to tell you no in your life. Well, you need someone that can say that's a little too far. You need a pastor in your life. You need a principal in your life. You need a coach. You need a teacher. You need a spouse in your life that can help you. You need the word of God in our life that can give us some form. Flow's good, but nothing grows in the flow. Where do the trees spring up? Along the banks. Along the banks. And that, boy, you can get a whole illustration of churches right now. You got churches that are all form and no flow, and you got churches that are all flow and no form. He says, I want both. I want to be really healthy. I want a temple that has flow and form. Because along the form, along this, let me just say it this way. You need some purpose for your passion. We're pastor in Nashville. It's full of creative folks. Everybody's got passion. Everybody's got creativity. There needs to be some purpose behind it. When you go hang out with your buddies, if it's just hanging out, that's awesome. What if you put some purpose behind that hanging out? Let me move on. Where the river flows... Growth happens, freshness happens, purity happens, life happens, the dead lives. And lastly, where the river flows, fruit happens. Fruit trees of all kind will grow along both sides of the river. Where do the trees grow? 
on the banks. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. Not every year. Every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. It bears fruit every month, y'all. Its leaves will not wither. The fruit is always going to be there. Always. You can trust it. That you're going to show up and there's going to be some fruit there. The Bible talks about just be instant, all the t- be, be ready all the time. Be prepared all the time to, for somebody to pick some fruit off of you. John says this in John 15. He says, what gives God glory is that you bear a lot of fruit and that your fruit remains. Anybody ever been around some folks that bared a lot of fruit but didn't stay there long? It turned brown, it got withered. He says, I want you to be planted by the river of living water. And if you're planted by him, you're going to flourish because you're fed by the water that comes from that living water. And here's what I love. He said, this fruit is not really for you. He said, the fruit is for the nations. The fruit is going to be food for the nations And the leaves are going to be medicine for the nations. I'll tell you right now, what God has called us to do is bigger than two services on Sunday morning. What God has called us to do is to impact the nations. But we're going to start with Nashville. How's that sound? Right here, right now, doing the best that we know to do. Planted by this river on these amazing banks. But then what happens is when we're planted there and the river's flowing, then suddenly leaves start popping up. And those leaves become medicine, the healing. And that fruit becomes food for the nation. Let me say something to you. It's not the government's job to take care of the poor and the hurting. It's the church's job. You know why the government's got to do it? Because we're not doing what we're called to do. It is our, it's us. We are the ones. That's why we talk about we need to be abundant. We need to have abundance because we're the ones that are supposed to be helping and blessing the nations. Us. I had someone say that. When you talk about abundance, are you talking about money? I said, yeah, kind of. Not completely, but yeah, kind of. Well, I don't know about that. I do know about it. You think you're going to reach the world on your paycheck? Ain't going to happen. We will not reach the world with what we're doing right now. At some point, there's going to have to be a flow that's coming in and a flow that's going out. And yes, that is the Spirit of God. And yes, that is healings and miracles. And yes, that is the fruit of the Spirit. But yes, it is also moolah and medicine and food. Kristen, Kristen went with some couple of the ladies in the church the other day, and she's doing some research on a serve project that we're going to do for Do Good Friday, a tradition we have here at the Hills. We've done it since the beginning. On Good Friday, we serve somewhere. A Do Good Friday is what we call it. And I'm so excited about us. And we're going to be providing food for the hungry, and we're providing medicine for the hurting. I believe, I'm excited about that. We'll be telling you more about that. Let me wrap it up by just telling you one reason that Maybe our life is not abundant and not flourishing. 
Because you look at this scripture, you go, man, multitude of fish. Yes, come on. Let the souls come. Let people be attracted to it. Come on, abundance, fruit that never falls and never fails and never, I want that, but I'm not seeing that in my life right now. Anybody would just nod your head and say, as the most part, I'm not seeing the way I want that to be in my relationships, in my finances, in whatever, in my walk with the Lord. Well, here's what I found is what is in us is what flows out of us. Proverbs 4.23, watch this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I'm going to tell you what I know I'm full of. I can be full of some mess. And the last thing the world needs is more of me. The last thing the world needs is more of you. What the world needs is more of him. And more of his living river that flows out of us. Back to what I read a few moments ago. John 7, 38. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Verse 39. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit. Who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. So he was prophesying. He said, y'all got me right now, but pretty soon I'm about to send a comforter to you. I'm going to send him back to you. And you know what he's going to do? He's just not going to comfort you and hold you close. He is going to be living water that flows out of you. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to ask for more of his spirit. Ask for more of Him. Get into His Word. Spend time in prayer with Him. Spend time in worship. If you got to get up a little earlier, get up a little earlier. Put on some worship music. Light you some candles. Put you some headphones on. Get in the car. Close things out. Spend some time with His Holy Spirit. Spend time around people that love the presence and the Spirit of God. Get more of that into you. Be filled with Him. I want to encourage you this year to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just touched, not just set upon, not, but baptized, filled. I love Kristen. My wife says this. She says, it's like walking around in a Holy Spirit bubble. I mean, He's just all over you. He's all in you. How many want more of Him? You want more of that? Now let me encourage you one more thing. Don't just ask for more of Him in you, but then let's start letting more of Him out of us. We hear it a lot. Man, I just had, I got the, boy, the Holy Spirit just filled me up. Just filled me. I got so much revelation today. Man, I was reading this. I got so much is all in me, all in me. That's awesome. You just leave it all in there. It gets all stagnant, though. You need to let it flow. Come on. You got to let some of that out. God wants us to have overflowing, that means this, that there's enough for you, but there's also enough for everybody else. Everybody say overflowing. You know, as you're walking, just overflowing. Today, I filled my coffee up a little too much. It ran all down, so I just licked the side. Just licked the side of it. Needed my coffee this morning. It was overflowing. There was too much. That's the kind of life that God wants us living, an overflowing, abundant life. So, yes, let Him fill you, but then let Him overflow into those that are around you.
You find someone that's in need, stop and pray with them. When's the last time you just prayed for a stranger? We did it the other day. Me and Kristen, right in, right in the parking lot. Lady talking to Kristen, needed a word from the Lord, needed some touch. We just stopped and prayed. For, I mean, the Holy Spirit just fell right there in the parking lot. Look at me. You ain't got to make a scene. Come on. Just cool. Just a little prayer. You ain't got to, like, have trumpets and stuff, you know. Just, look, just loving on somebody. Sharing something. Love on people. Spend time in worship. Give. If you don't know how to give, be a giver. Serve. If you're not serving in the house of God, find a place to serve. It's how you, it flows out of you. Share. Just share with everybody. I was thinking a moment ago, these little invite cards. I love these. I liked our other ones. The launch, they're a little too big for me, though. You know, I put them in my pocket. They get all wrinkled and stuff. I like this, though, because I can take that and put it in my wallet. I, I like this. Good idea, Brian and Ashley. That's awesome. I was just thinking about this right here. Is that this morning, it was laying on my desk. I was praying for it. And I'm like, that right there, that's a river flow right there. Just that. Hey, somebody's telling you about their life. And man, just, how you doing? That's tough. You look complicated? Yeah, hey, you need to come with me on Sunday. I'll pick you up. Come on, come with me. That's, what, that's just saying, here's what God did for me. I want to help you out. Tell your story. The greatest thing you can do is just share your story of what God has done in you. Come on, how many are ready to be a living river somewhere? Just to somebody else flowing out of you today. Let me pray over you right now.